Welcome to the Divine War Ninjutsu Podcast for November 2018. I am Shihan Jason Steves with Divine War Ninjutsu, obviously. Today we will be covering things such as, should we carry EDC gear and what should we carry? Is it possible to train online? Japanese superstitions? Why is mediocre taijutsu better than amazing taijutsu? What does os or osu mean and why we don't say it and why no one should say it? The Halo storyline? What is a prepper? Do ninjas have to be preppers? What is the correlation between prepping and ninjutsu? Without further ado, here we go with episode 13. Enjoy the show. Every, what is everyday carry gear? Multi-tool. A multi-tool, possibly? Yes. As long as there is a danger there with EDC, because you don't want to become dependent on what you're carrying. This is true. You don't want to, if you carry a knife, you don't want to say, I can't fight without my knife. That's bad. But you should carry a knife. I bring it for, like, say, higher risk situations. Yeah. Like, I'm just going somewhere that's prone to fights or robberies or thefts. So I'll bring it with me there. But most I always carry, personally, a tactical knife. I mean, a tactical pen, a knife, the credit card knife, and a normal knife. A lock picking kit, handcuff key. Bobby pin, hair barrette. I just, I don't even think about it anymore. I just do it. But if I don't have it, I'm not stuck. In fact, I would be surprised if I even used it, if I had to. If I had a knife, I doubt I would draw it. I just, but if I, if I do need to, it's there. What do you carry? Do you, do, do you carry anything? Yeah. I don't care what it is as long as. Multi-tool, lock, uh, lock picks, handcuff key, kubaton, knife, tactical pen, paracord. Oh yeah, paracord. Me too. Razor sharp nails. <laughs> My watch. Yeah. This is an analog. And it could be a compass. I use it as a sort of as well. What about you? Do you carry anything that you would consider ADC, EDC? Well, from your guys' list, I got the handcuff key, the multi-tool. Okay. Uh, I typically have a knife on me, but not always. Do you hide your handcuff key? It's on the keychain. So what happens if you are arrested and they take your keychains? Uh, that's called resisting arrest. <laughs> just don't get arrested. <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't want to be a smart ass officer, but if you caught me, you were speeding too. Yeah. <laughs> Try that next time. Have you say. seen the condition my truck is in? Yeah. I can outrun anything. It's in it's in go fast redneck condition, isn't it? Oh yeah. So what about you? Do you carry anything you would consider? Yeah. Uh don't tell me. Lockpicks? No, no. But I carry the, the thin ones there, the little credit card one. I have my own makeshift lock picking kit. It's pretty much just a bobby pin and a flathead screwdriver, more or less. Sometimes that works. And bump key. I do carry a bump key on my keychain, but if I lose that, then. I have a knife and a cobaton. 
And in my car, I always have a hatchet and a hammer and a mold. That's, so, that's totally different. I carry all kinds of stuff in my yeah, car. Okay. Well, in, my person, <laughs> in my person, I carry a hatchet and a hammer and yeah. a belt. No. Uh, yeah, so it's about it, just the cobra arm and the knife. Yeah. And the little lockpicks on me. That's about it. I also recently bought one of those lockpicks that is a gun. Yeah, you were telling me how that would work yep. to try again. Yep. I got the office door a couple times and the front door four times. It's uh, it's different. I wouldn't say it's easier. It's just different. I was getting, I can do it just as fast, maybe faster with the lock picks, the hand ones. But um, if you're having one of those days, because you have to be in the zone when you're picking locks, you're either in the zone or you're not. The same lock one day, it'd be like, this is no problem. The next day you can't get it at all. So if you're having a bad day, I find the gun is just a different way. It works different because it bumps, it, it bounces up and down the pin, and it pump, bumps all your, the pins inside the tumbler up, and then they get cut. So it works different, totally different method. Maybe not as noticeable to sit in there. Thicken. It's a different method. A bar with the gun? What's that? You still need the tension bar with the gun? It, it comes with one. Yeah. Yeah. Really, that's all it does is every time you pull the trigger, it bumps at the whole, the same time, the whole thing goes back up and down. So when you've got the tension wrench on and it hits hard, all the pins, when it hits, they all jump up and then they come back down. And in theory, they get stuck at the shear line. So you can, yeah. So it's just a different method. You go rake, the rake is, it makes the pins move one at a time. The rake is a mythical creature that flies in the night and drinks people's blood, actually. Does it go back and forth like this, too? I, it watches you sleep. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe it's doing some back and forth motion. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have an ETC? Or what you consider? I've got my multi-tool. Multi-tool? A lot of people have one of those nowadays. The Gerber from the infantry. Yes? Nice. Do you keep yours? One. Yeah, me too. I think they forgot, or I, I thought they forgot. I was allowed to keep my gas mask too. Turn that back in. Oh, I kept mine. Yeah. No, I kept the group. It was too nice to get back. Yeah. I kept mine, but I don't think they asked for mine. And I had a whole bunch of chemical weapon testing strips, like the litmus strips. And I had a bunch of fuller's earth mitts. And I had a little scope to look through to detect radiation levels. I had a my book my bag was full of stuff. Not not including clothes like your combats and your underwear and all that stuff is a given. But I had all kinds of stuff. I think I gave most of it to my father. Like ah, I don't want this stuff. But when I left the military, I was in a very bad mood. <laughs> I was not in a good state when I left the military. So I'm like. Get rid of everything and screw you, government. But, uh, you know. Anyway, that's a whole other story. Then we changed topics and we started talking about whether it was possible to train online or not through distance education programs. A lot of people, though, will say it's not possible to train online and they'll fight you tooth and nail. And I've seen people on Facebook and stuff swear up and down, don't buy that crap, it's impossible. You cannot learn online, you need to have a teacher. I wouldn't say you can't learn online. You can learn online, but it's also really good to have someone there who's experienced mm -hmm. and can help show you a way. But, I mean, to get the basics down at home, it should be relatively... It's no different than 20 years ago when you'd buy the at-home courses through the magazines. Mm. Of what? 
Martial arts. Oh, yeah, yeah, martial arts, yeah. They just gave you the basic photos and descriptions, and that's what you had to practice with. That's the thing, though, is we have an amazing tool at our disposal now. Technology. You should always be doing something. If you can't find a partner yeah. or a teacher or whatever, you should always be I doing will admit something. that turning online is harder, but I wouldn't say it's impossible. First, if you have... The only drawbacks that I could see with turning online, really, is that if you have a question about something, it cannot be immediately answered. Now, it can be answered. You just ask the guy and he'll write you back or you send a video and he evaluates your video and either writes you back or does a video for you back. There's a time lag for sure. But uh, even that, like if you did live classes, which I'm thinking we'll start doing soon, actually like broadcasting it for paying people, not for everybody. Anyway, that's another thing. Um, you, know. you know I'm always around. I meant like during class. Like Monday, Thursdays, Saturdays, like oh, live streaming it. I was going to say, if it's extra, I'm here more than I am at home anyway, so. He's your next, next host guest. Yeah, I see what you're. <laughs> no, 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 I don't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yes. You might as well. I'm, yeah, I just don't sleep here. I'm pretty much here. And you could. I could, yeah. Just don't get too comfortable. <laughs> I have once. I slept here once, but. Did you? That was because I, yeah, it was when you were gone. I had a few beer. Really? So I didn't drive home. I just slept okay. home through time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. I see how it is. <laughs> Jason's not around and Jordan <laughs> sleeps over. <laughs> um, I think it's possible online, but at the same point, you don't have the immediate feedback, immediate feedback on whether you're doing something wrong, yeah. what you can improve on, and there's always the safety aspect of certain yeah. things that... They say you can train at home, but it's never going to be nearly as good as. And the first thing they say on their videos, the very first thing on their videos is, "Do not try this at home." <laughs> After you bought it, no. This is extremely dangerous. Do not try without a professional yes, instructor. Yes, that's better. Um, but the thing is, is like it'd be the thing in my mind. Like just one example would be like, okay, next time I teach you how to do mushadori, it's like really. Uh, that's hard without someone's arm there to be able to learn how to do a move called snake arm without an arm to practice on kind of thing. My wife's not willing to share, so yeah. if I want to practice, it's literally shadow practicing yeah. at home. Okay, that's better than nothing. I remember doing that mm -hmm. for years, that type of training. Like I'd go to the park in the daytime outside of class and just do it shadow style. Well, it's still good, like it's, I said. It it's still yeah. good, but it, for someone If something like goes me, wrong, you won't notice. Yeah. And for someone like me... I'm going to learn a lot better trying it on someone yeah. than I am just in the air because then by the time I do it on someone, I'm like, oh, wait, well, I've been practicing like this for months and you're telling me that's not right? That's not what's supposed to happen? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. I would be a good example where I'm only coming once a week mm -hmm. now. I should be doing online. Mm -hmm. So it's better than nothing. You could. Yeah, just at home, you're doing that stuff too anyway. You're recording yeah. yourself. And you're Which is good time. because you get to see it yourself too. Yeah. Um, they used to use mirrors back in the day. They'd say, do it in front of mirrors. But we have better things now. Like, you can watch yourself, record it, watch yourself. Even me, like, when I'm stepping back and kind of observing people, I see things on the video I didn't notice all the time. Right? right. <laughs> Sometimes you don't catch everything that's going right. on at once yeah. when you're watching your legs. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the beginning, it's definitely harder. 
I think, too, because they have no concept of what they're doing, and you have to really fine-tune everything. But, like, there's one guy, for instance, who's doing it from Brazil, and he's sending me lots of videos, and I'm writing to him every day. Like, I'll watch the videos, a five-minute video a day, almost. And I... It's a little much to watch things constantly like that, but he's willing to record it and send it to me, so I'll watch it, and then I'll write him notes and send it right back. And I promised I would show him a video. I would do a video of his biggest things he needs to work on. So, like I said, the feedback is slow, but it's still possible. And um, later on, when you get more experience, the thing that's the thing about ninjutsu, too, is that it later on, it's real easy to train by yourself. It's not like other styles. It's weird. Once you know the moves, yeah. then you're Once you get your basics and... down, your foundation, you can build on the foundation for years by yourself if you had to. Yeah. Which is really weird. I can't think of other styles that, that it quite works out like that. But I don't I think maybe they all are kind of like that. Yeah. So, so. You can self-train after they get a while. to a certain point. I think so. I can't see why not. Yeah. You know? I know like in the jiu-jitsu, the, the month or whatever, I kind of was going into it and doing that. They have like katas that you do when you don't have someone and then they have other katas that are specifically for when you're training with someone and they're supposed to represent yeah. the same move. But the movements of your arms and feet are different. You can tell the difference by yeah. looking. But you still get the basic movement of how your body is supposed to move. Maybe not so much your arms, but... yeah. And the guy in Brazil, he always recruits a friend. So he has someone to do okay. these on. And I suggest they find someone to, to at least you know be the guinea pig. And if not, and that's different. See, now if someone's trying to learn it all from scratch with no help at all. Mm. That would be very hard. Very hard. Yeah, very hard. Because I don't think there's a possible way to do it entirely by yourself. With no... And not get any resistance and... Because there's no way you'd notice if you're not doing something right. I know, right? Or... Yeah. So hindered progress, still achievable goal. It's definitely going to be a lot harder. Mm -hmm. I would strongly encourage them to either find a friend, phone a friend, find a friend, or meet in person, eventually, as soon as possible, with me. Especially in the early stages, like yeah. you were saying. Yeah. And maybe after you could yeah. do stuff at home. It's funny because one thing I've noticed when we get new people that come and join, I haven't been here all that long, but you notice that one of the hardest things to teach them is the godai. It's like the five yeah. basic maneuvers seem to be the hardest thing. Once they're yeah. past that, they're pretty easy picking yeah. up everything else. Yeah. So everything kind of builds. I feel like everything kind of builds off the. That's a big the one. Hapo and the Kyo. Yeah, that's a big one. I find learning the new language at first is overwhelming, and you're mm. trying, it's just, it's everything all at once, it's, it's hard at first. I do it because it's mostly, you mean like for your grading? Is that what you're talking about? Well, just, yeah, in general. Or like, just hearing them, just like when I... learning Japanese, learning say, a new language. Yeah, like someone to say like onikidaki instead of just telling you what it is, just to say do onikidaki instead. Me, it's just like, wah, 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 wah. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah. However, I don't, when I say those terms, I don't expect people to pick it up immediately and learn the terms, but if you hear something enough times, it'll yeah. stick eventually. Hmm. So it's more of a <clears throat> FYI, this is what this is called, yeah. and then eventually. I've heard some weird things. People trying to say things, and it just comes out so weird and funny, and they have no idea that they're 
being ridiculous. <laughs> I remember when I was younger, and I think one of our guys did it. <laughs> he used to say, and it's the same when I was younger, the guy would say, oh, I've, I just got my ninth kui. My ninth kui? They would always call it kui, and one of our guys called it, was calling it, oh no, one of our guys was calling it kaiyu. Like the annoying like the little cartoon little, 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 little cartoon. So you're yeah. collecting ca or Cayus. It was like it's cute. I'm just a kid who's bored. Each day I grow some more. I like exploring. I'm Caillou. And he would say it over and over that way. And I think there are soak for soke. Yeah. He was always saying soak. But that's a common mistake. I mean I was confusing nine and ku like ku and q. They are but they're the same. They can Q. be. Some people will pronounce it QQ, and yeah. some people will say QQ. doesn't matter. It's the same thing. Yeah. Okay, so oh, it's you can okay. pronounce it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Q or Q is the same. Okay. Some people might even say GU for 10 but instead of Q. Cuckoo sounds kind of weird. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, but in J Japanese, 9 is a superstitious number, too. So there's some... I think that's why the Nijo always carried things to 9, because it was... Uh, ex it was What's the word I'm looking for? They were... Evil? Evil. <laughs> no, no, nine is a good number. No, four is the bad one. You can't buy anything in fours yeah. in Japan. No, you can't. It's if you buy fours. like a dinner plates, like a dinner set for a married couple, it's either threes or fives, never four. And she, she means four, but it can also mean like death. Yeah. Yeah. Like here it's 13 for us. Yeah. But it, that's like their four. And that, there's another one too that's less. Maybe it is nine. But uh, I it's, nine was a maybe it, it could be a good number. I thought it was good luck or it was something. Maybe it's superstitious either way. But I yeah. just thought it was what was, it? was special. With American them. Dad says it the best, and they drop a plate, and Klaus is like, oh, "That is nine years of neither good nor bad luck." The Japanese are very superstitious. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in Japan, a fish on your shorts is eight years of neither good nor bad luck. The Japanese are very superstitious. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, he's yeah. just, just yeah. showing how like doesn't it doesn't very mean neutral. anything. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't mean anything, <laughs> but they still have a meaning for it, kind of thing. Right? Yeah, I think something to do with the the word for four, she. Yeah, I think it also means death. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Like Shinonuma, swamp of death. Just or uh, the term if you're first to the term for the instructor Shidoshi is do means a way like uh, judo is the way of grappling or whatever, right? Or, or karate-do, sometimes they'll say, or something like that. Or aikido. Miyagi-do. Yeah. So do means the way. So when you think of shidoshi, what does that death. mean, really? Shows you the way of death. Possibly the four ways of death. Four mm. ways of death. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Or death way, death. <laughs> death way, death. <laughs> something like that. Okay. Friday the 13th. Yes, Friday the 13th. So for Americans and Western people, this is a very mm. unlucky day. Yes. Now for Japanese, is this an unlucky day? Not really. Yeah. Now, why don't we let Sakura, the cultural expert, tell us about some Japanese superstitions. Okay? This is great. I get to listen. Here we go, Sakura. Okay. Um, I believe that the number 13 is bad luck in Western countries. That's correct. But in Japan, unlucky numbers are four... And nine. Four and nine. Yes. Because four in Japanese is sometimes pronounced shi. Yes. Which means death. 
death. Yes. I see. So, and nine is also sometimes pronounced ku. Okay. And this means suffering. Yes.、Mm. I think、um, one of my friends, he told me that the name of the word was kurushimi. Okay, and what does this mean again? Suffering. Yes.、Yeah. So four and nine are the unlucky numbers. Yes. So, Sakura, you know, in the US, some of the old buildings,、mm. they don't have a 13th floor.、Mm. Is there something like that yes, in Japan? In like hospitals and、uh-huh. some hotels, they don't have the fourth floor. Really? Yes. Wow. So when you give presents to、yeah. somebody, and like if you want to give a set of like plates or you know, set of cups,、uh-huh. um, usually it's in three or five normally. Not it's four. It's never in four. Really?、Mm. Now, that's really useful information. So if you're giving <laughs> presents out there. Yes. Be careful not to give in. <laughs> Four. Yes. No fours out there, everybody. Excellent. Thank you so much, Sakura. So I also heard, yeah, sometimes in hospitals, they don't have the room number four.、Mm, that's right. And I even heard,、mm. and, this is, and this is firsthand from a doctor friend, that sometimes the, room, the rooms 40 through 49 are not、ah, there. Ah, right. Ah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so again, let's do a little comparison. We'll just wrap it up. US unlucky number is? 13. Yes. And in Japan? 4 and also 9. Yes. Okay, very, very nice, Sakura. Next, we have probably one of the most important bad luck symbols in Japan. Right, Sakura? Mm hmm. And that would be? Rekyusha. Yes. Hearst. Rekyusha.、Oh. Yes, very nice. This is the Hearst. And this is a very bad luck symbol in Japan, right?、Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little more about this? So, if you see a funeral car passing, you should hide your thumb. Really? If you see a funeral car go by? Yes. You should hide your thumb?、Yes. Where? In your hand. Ah, you make a fist、ah, yes, with the yes, thumb yes. inside. That's right. So, you're hiding the thumb. Why would you want to hide the thumb? Because、um, thumb is、um, the. Parent finger. Well, parent literal finger. translation the, in English would be parent finger. Let's work from the Japanese. Give、okay. us the Japanese name for it. Oyayubi. So when you see the hearst, you're hiding the thumb inside the fist. Yes. And what does this symbolize?、Um, so that your parents won't die. Yeah, you're protecting them, right? Yes. <laughs> I see. That's very, very useful. And you know, And sometimes I did see this on the street and I could never figure it out. Thank you, Sakura.、Yes. Very, very interesting. And also,、um, like there are many bad luck、um, things related to like funerals and death.、Yes. Can you give us another one?、Um, when you attend the funeral and come back before you enter your house,、okay. you throw salt on yourself. Why?、Um, Salt kind of cleanses things. Yes. So before you enter your house,、ah. you throw salt. Like when a friend is with you, you throw salt to each other. Yeah. And then when you're by yourself, you throw salt to yourself. Yeah, you throw salt on yourself. Yes. So the, the main points are when you go to a funeral and you come back, the key point is before you enter your house. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. Okay. And. If you go to the funeral alone, you come back home, someone、mm-hmm. can throw salt on you before、yes. you come back in, right? Right. And as you said, if it's two people, you can throw salt on each other. Yes. And if it's one person, 
Right on yourself. As Sakura said, this is a very superstitious theme. Yes. In Japan. Yes. Okay, let's move on to some other topics. Okay, I got one. The black cat is bad luck. When I see a black cat, I stop and I wait to see which way he goes so I don't cross his path. How about in Japan? Are there any lucky or unlucky animals or bugs or something like this? Mm, actually, black cat is also considered bad luck nowadays, but I think it's imported from, from the West. Yeah, I yes. think so too. Yes. And also, ah, the spider. Okay. <laughs> Um, when you see a spider in your house at night, it's bad luck. And so, what's the name of this? Yoru no kumo. Again, where, if we see this, is it bad luck? Inside your house. Yes. Okay. So, the spider at night is bad luck. Yes. Now, what it, about good luck?、Um, in the mo- if you see it in the morning, it's good luck. <laughs> Another one that's related to night. You shouldn't cut nails at night. Really?、Right. Uh, you mean、uh, clipping nails, like your yes, finger、clipping. or toenails? That's right. You shouldn't clip them at night?、Mm. Why? Because if you do that, you won't be able to be with your parents on their deathbed. I see. So when you're clipping your nails, don't do it at night.、Mm. That's right. I got it. Thank you, Sakura. Benkyo ni narimashita. Speaking of night, There's also another one that's related to night is whistling in the night. Okay, and tell us about this. If you whistle in, at night,、um, a snake will come out. Huh? Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> snake will come out. In Japan, they have some poisonous snakes, so we、mm. don't want them coming out. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Actually, the snakes are kind of in the lower south and the western section of Japan,、mm, right? What,、yes. what is the name? It's a very famous snake.、Ah. Habu? Yes.、Mm. Habu, one kind of very, it has very strong poison. You don't want him coming out when you're whistling. <laughs> right. But it's very ironic because I believe snakes are deaf. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um,、uh, that's so interesting. That's very interesting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think I remember、Ooh. from、uh, my days in studying at university. <laughs> Slash Discovery Nature Channel. <laughs> But anyway,、um, <laughs> or maybe I saw it on The Simpsons. It could have been The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> Always Simpsons. <laughs> okay. In the US and I believe in the West, a rabbit foot is kind of very lucky. Yes. You know? Now, are there any lucky symbols? Or also, we have a horseshoe、mm. and some other things that are very lucky. Now, are there any things,、uh, any symbols in Japan that are、um, lucky? There's a lucky cat symbol called Manekineko. Please explain this. It's a cat with one paw up. A real cat? It's a doll. Ah! Yes. And some are very small and some are rather big. Yeah. They often have it in like shops or where they do business. Yeah. Be- exclusively commercial, right? Yes, yes. Because it's supposed to.、Um, Bring in、and、the profit. And the fortune, yes. And the fortune. Yes. Rare. <laughs> Sorry, but I got a little excited there. And you'll see these in all kinds of.、Mm, yes, commercial places. For example,、uh, restaurants, restaurants have it? Restaurants, yes. Restaurants, shops. But will you see it at a law office or a hospital?、Um, not really. It's more related to trade. I see. So a trading district. Yes. And what about restaurants? Mm, they may have it. Okay.、Mm-hmm. So when you come to Japan, 
you're going to see this cat. Yes. And he's calling <laughs> you in. He's got his paw up. He's yes. inviting you in. And he's bringing in... Profit. Yes. And good fortune to <laughs> yes. that company or business place. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. Okay. In the U.S., we usually tape a dollar bill. Like the first, the first dollar you make, you usually put on the wall. So sometimes you'll go into restaurants yes. and you'll see very old dollars. Really? Yeah. yeah that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. No, your cat is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's very fascinating, this superstition. Because mm-hmm. this is not the type of stuff you come across every day. Mm-hmm. So, which is one of the reasons why we want to bring it to you. We want to we bring it right to your, right to your pocket or right to your, right to your computer. We have one more lucky thing that you would carry. Okay, where, uh, in your pocket or where'd you carry it? Um, in your bag or in your purse. Mm. Okay, and uh, what is this? It's called omamori. Omamori is something that protects. Something that protects, protects you. you. Okay, mm. what kind of omamori do they have in Japan? Um, they have different types of omamori. Some are for... Success in business or uh-huh. study, uh-huh. and some are for curing illness. I see. Preventing traffic accidents. Yes. And you can buy them in at shrines. Okay, so you buy them at shrines. Right. And now some shrines are geared towards specific things, right? Mm, yes. I heard some shrines specialize in some things. Is that yes, correct? Yes. Yes. Can you give us an example? Um, in Tokyo, there's a famous shrine called Suitengu, and this is for healthy and safe birth. So when you get pregnant, uh-huh. you sometimes go to Suitengu to pray and maybe get an omamori for safe birth. And you would carry that with you? Yes. Very, very mm-hmm. interesting. Okay, Sakura. Again, kyo mo benkyo ni narimashita. Today also, I learned a lot. Thank you very much, Sakura. Dou itashimashite. Ooh, what was that? <laughs> You're welcome. Sakura, kyo mo benkyo ni narimashita. Arigatou gozaimasu. Dou itashimashite. Why is mediocre taijutsu better than amazing taijutsu? Mediocre has room for improvement. No, what? Mediocre has room for improvement. Chances are, if you're doing mediocre taijutsu, then you're learning a lot of things. That's exactly it. You're getting really good at this one thing that can only be used in this one circumstance. If you look online and you like go into the different groups and people are complaining about stuff, it's usually, this guy's okay, but this guy's amazing. So if you're not moving like him, you're doing something wrong. But he probably doesn't know a lot of the other things. That's that exactly right. If you only have an hour, uh, uh, 100 hours per whatever it is to train, you can either dedicate 100 hours to Tajitsu only, or you can put 20 hours to Tajitsu, 10 hours to survival, 10 hours to something else, and, and you actually do round out your skills. So, so in that way, Amazing taijutsu is a re- usually a good indicator that they're overtraining in that one and neglecting the others. So. Yeah, because if you look at some of the embu or what they, they, they call the demos in Japan, like when they get together and the public can watch and Hatsumi's there and all the guys, it's awesome, don't get me wrong, but is it amazing? 
because they pull out the Japanese guys pull out all the big guns and they're doing all the cool stuff. It's their tachitsu is okay. It works. But they know a lot of yeah, they know a lot of stuff. You can only retain so much, and you can only train on so much, right? So, um, I think if that's all you're doing, because nowadays a lot of people they, if you look on websites, they say bujinkan budo tajitsu, but other people say ninjutsu, or they'll say bujinkan budo tajitsu, formerly called ninjutsu, or some variation of that. But really, Hatsumi changed it from ninjutsu to taijutsu because now that's all he teaches. He doesn't teach ninjutsu anymore. So if you come in, if you're coming in day one right now, that's all you're going to get is taijutsu. Yeah. So if you want, you had to, yeah, go ahead. Same with Lee, he only teaches to combat arts. Yeah. And there's a couple times I noticed them referring to ninjutsu. Which is okay. A lot of people do that, but they were saying something about a technique, and you're like, they're like, "That's ninjutsu. That's the difference." Like, well, maybe in a small in a small way that's true, but because I've seen questions online, "What is ninjutsu really? What is ninjutsu?" I know what you're going to say, and you get it. You'll probably get it right. Okay, what is it? What's ninjutsu? It's the art of uh, endurance, perseverance, trials, tribulations, and long-term suffering. What does that really mean, though? As far as somebody learning, what, does, what is it? Guerrilla warfare. No, okay. it's... I'm thinking survival. The, the art yeah. of... Survival, espionage. It's really uh, the art of living. Hatsumi has said that exact thing, the art of living. But uh, when I bring it up in podcasts or something, I say... Ninjutsu is an umbrella term where all the others fit underneath of it. It's not really a one term art. It's like uh, ninjutsu is not one of many. It's the, the main. And then you have taijutsu, kenjutsu, bojutsu, shurikenjutsu, tantojutsu, kayakajutsu, and hensojutsu. And <laughs> Flower arranging. What's that? Flower arranging. Yeah, yeah. Which is what? Oh, you bastard. <laughs> Did you hear him? Okibana? No! Fire engine. Yeah. What is it? It's where you arrange No, 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 no. I'm not saying it again. I said it twice, actually, so. Yeah, I know you did. Ikibana. Or sometimes called something dough. I can't remember, actually. Flower dough. Flower dough. Flower dough. Pizza dough. Yeah. <laughs> and the purpose is? Flower arranging. It's a form of meditation and order and peace. You know, yeah. And yeah. the, uh, what were the, the kunoichi? Yeah, the kunoichi used to use it to hide their weapons and yeah. stuff like that. So they, they learn flower arrangements. They could be on the side of the street or something like that, arranging flowers in a pot. And somebody will walk by, uh, a target will walk by, take the weapon out of it, kill him, and escape him. Or a lot of times the flowers would be attached to the end of the knife, literally. So it's in their vase. And it's all one piece. You don't have to fumble for it. Or they'd carry them like this, but the knife would be up their sleeve, and then they'd pull it out. Yeah. Awesome.
awesome. And you do good at weddings. And <laughs> yes, you would. You could take out one whole side of the family. <laughs> no one wants to fight with ever. <laughs> okay. Do you take poisonous plants? Make a nice arrangement with them. Send them to your enemy. He gets them, has a big sniff. Yeah. He doesn't wake up tomorrow. The uh, datura plant. It's been. There's a few cases where they would send the datura flowers to people. There was even an episode of CSI Miami, I think it was, where the, a guy sent Datura flowers to his enemy, and when he smelled it, it killed him. Because it's just too much at once. You ever see a ninja assassin when he opens up the envelope and all the black sand falls out? Fill it with Datura instead. And yeah. Flop it on his face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now you can't change your past, but you can determine your destiny by deciding for Christ. But Christ can change your past. He died on the cross so that all the sins you've ever committed, all the things you've ever done wrong are forgiven. What do you have to do? You have to repent of your sins. That means to be willing to change your way of living. You may have no power to do it. You may not have power to give up some of those habits you know are wrong. You may not have power to fall in love with your wife again. You may not have power to change your whole life that you know needs to be changed. But if you surrender to Christ, He'll give you the power. You say, well, Billy, I don't know what else to do. I've been baptized, I joined the church and so forth, but I don't really have peace and joy and power in my life, all that you're talking about. How do I get it? Jesus Christ said, I am the way. Come to Christ. He will give you a new strength and a new power and a new joy and a new peace and a purpose for living. Every person that ever lived has to make the same choice. It's either the world and its pleasures and its gods or it's Christ. Which is it for you? Who are you choosing? Who are you voting for? Choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Oh yes, there's pleasure in sin for a short time. But it's soon over. The hangover comes. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's going to be there. Choose Christ. And there'll never be a hangover except joy and peace. And it's an urgent decision because to delay makes the right decision harder. Indecision in itself is a choice. Not to decide is to decide not to. If you have a ticket for a flight to Atlanta tonight and can't decide whether to go or not, if you wait past the departure time, the choice will have been made. The plane will take off without you. Decisions are made whether we make them or not. Time decides if you will not. And time always decides against you. There's a lonely arena in the depths of your heart where the greatest battle of life must be fought alone. That's your decision about Christ. Your parents can't make it for you. The church can't make it for you. Your friends can't make it for you. Your girlfriend, your boyfriend can't make it for you. You have to make it yourself. And you must decide tonight.
why does what does us or osu mean and why we don't say it and why no one should say it but a lot of people do especially on facebook they get joined or added to a ninjutsu group or another group and they're us and that's all they say if you, if you knew what that meant, you wouldn't say it. <clears throat> it's actually something really horrible, isn't it? Not horrible, horrible, but I mean like it's rude. Offensive. And offensive yeah. and insulting. Can't remember. We never say it in ninjutsu. And if you said it in Japan, they'd slap you. Right, uh, yeah. Um, a lot of other styles will say it, but I don't think they totally understand what they're saying. Or if they're Japanese, they would, but not foreign barbarians. Vikings. And most other styles in North America aren't taught by Japanese. Not really, no. Which is sad because then you see these styles that get bastardized over time, going from one generation to another and getting slightly worse every time. Mm -hmm. Which is why, and it never occurred to me before, but it's important that every once in a while, doesn't necessarily have to be everybody, but every once in a while someone should be going back to Japan to go to the source and get corrections because I've seen a lot of corrections like people coming in like why are you doing that a guy else the Japanese will say and he's like that's what my teacher taught it's like your teacher's a fool and he's like this is how you're supposed to do it and then, no, no, no. but it's good because then they get corrected and they go back and your teacher said why are you that's not how I showed you and then say shut up that's what he told me to do I'm here to dethrone <laughs> yeah. mother father basically <laughs> I take the word from the Japanese yeah the first one was uh go die when I first started, they called it Godai, and they showed me a certain way to do it. And then I found out later that it's, a, it's the wrong way to do it. And I was put in my place. But someone took me aside and said, okay, your teacher's a moron. And he knew who my teacher was. Was this so-and-so? It was so-and-so. I'm not sure what that means, so-and-so, but... Yes. It was beep. Yeah, that's what I was. And they said he's a moron. And they said, this is the way you're supposed to do it, basically. So, os is uh, an abbreviated form of onagashimasu, which by itself is polite. It means please mm -hmm. train us or please have a good training session. Uh, so the o of onagai and this at the end of shimas, os. One, two. So the Japanese are relatively good at creating abbreviations for everything. So like, let me, let me think of an example here. Like, uh, how about uh, Happy New Year, which is, uh, what's Happy New Year again? Um, Happy New Year then would be, uh, what is Happy New Year? Do you know? Happy New Year. Is that, no. Do you remember? Do you know? That's it? just racist. Happy New Year. Happy. Um, I said Shizu the other day to I know I've heard Sean. And yeah, he yeah, me too, but it escapes me at the moment. I can't think of I feel of, like it's one of those Japanese things that everybody knows. Yeah, I can't think of There's a few things uh, that uh, they commonly abbreviate. And so that's, that's, that's normal. That's one way of, you know. Yeah. They're lazy and they want to find shortcuts. But in we this have case, so many words. in this case, when you're saying please to your teacher at the beginning or at the end, they say, when a guy But when you abbreviate it, you're, it's done in spite. And 
It is an insult. It is an insult, yeah. Because now, because you know in Japanese there's levels of politeness too. Like you can yeah. make ultra polite things. Like for instance, thanks could be a domo. Or you could say the next level up is arigato. Or the next level up from that might be domo arigato. And the next level up from that might be arigato gozaimasu. And the next one up from that is domo arigato gozaimasu. And the next one up from that is domo arigato gozaimashita. So we're talking to your buddy, mm-hmm. to your parents, to your great-grandparents, to your boss, to the emperor Ooh, kind of thing. That is like ultra. So when I got shmas, when you do us. So us basically, and it's, and the way it was explained to me is us basically means go fuck yourself. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, you're not worth the time. No, you're taking something that's supposed to be considered ultra polite, and then you're saying, I don't have time for you, teacher. Yeah. Teach? What's up, teach? You're like the hipsters. <laughs> What's up, teach? Wait you're such it. a drag. Wait before they all stand on their tables and start <laughs> saying, oh, captain, my captain. <laughs> <laughs> you're such a square, man. Yeah. Or like Cheech and Chong. Dude's uh, not here, man. Dude, or where's my car? Yeah. Dude, ordered my car. But it's, yeah, that's basically what it is. So now you're taking something that was meant to be polite. You're taking the first letter and the last letter and taking everything else in between and saying, I don't have time for you, dude. dude. <laughs> I like how our explanations go from ninjutsu teaching, talking to the emperor to like, dude, where's my car? Ashton <laughs> <laughs> Kutcher, best movies, go. One, dude, where's my car? That's it. That's all. Yeah, that's the it. only good movie was ever in. Dude, where's my car? Where's your car, dude? Dude, where's my car? Where's your car, dude? Dude, where's my car? Where's your car, dude? Did I drive last night? Ah, I think so. Really? I'm not sure. <laughs> dude, where's your car? <laughs> dude, it's not funny, dude. The car is gone. <laughs> yeah. Dude, where's my car? <laughs> Shut up, dude! Actually, uh, he did a good job as Steve Jobs. Did, did you see that movie? There's one where, there's two Steve Jobs movies that came out almost back to back. Yeah, his was just called Jobs. Jobs, wasn't it? I think, yeah. He played Steve Jobs in that, and he did a good oh, job. And then the other one was hmm. called Steve. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't remember. Jobs, what the sequel to the movie Steve. Is that like? <laughs> Could have been the prequel and the sequel. Job, Steve, Steve. I know it's kind of unrelated, but uh, an interview with Steve Jobs once, they said, so what's your kid's favorite device that you've invented? And he's like, oh, my kids don't touch that stuff, but we won't let them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, huh? And he said, oh, yeah, that stuff's poison for kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He knew better. They know exactly what they're oh, doing. Oh, they know exactly what they're doing. Hey. Yeah. They just know it's <laughs> My kids machine. won't touch. We won't let them touch that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no shit. Like, really? And when he says it, you should listen. Yeah, he has literally all the real statistics behind it. There's (laughs) no bullshitting the guy who created it. He's made the stuff. He invented the stuff, and he's not letting his kids touch it. Yeah. You're going to get a hand crushed. Okay. Any questions? Going once? Um, I always ask where the babies come from, but. Um, The tanku steals them. Do they eat them too? 
Actually, the myth used to be that the Tengu would come down and take kidnapped kids in the night and take them back up and train them basically from birth to be ninja. Ninja assassin. Exactly. That's where they got the idea. It's an old mythological... <laughs> yeah. And I think Halo, because we talked about Halo, the game. Yeah. Uh, do you know anything about the Halo storyline? Uh, so, in years since I played it. Yeah. And then the books, I've read a lot of the books too. So the idea is that they... Yeah, you let it go and then... Both of them, uh, the military would target humans that excelled in school at something. They went down and would steal them, basically, at about age seven, and replace them with clones. But the clones, of course, were not as good, so they would end up being handicapped or even dying eventually. So they, they took, like, 200 kids, and then they locked them into, like, an intern camp, and they mentally tortured them. Yeah, with images of war. Images stuff. of war. They would, uh, in the books, it says that they would make them watch dogs fight to the death, and they weren't allowed to cry or look away or squint. They would get beaten and punished if they looked away, so they had to all stand there and watch the dogs rip each other to pieces. And so they were mentally programmed to be ruthless and vicious. Then eventually, when they were like 20 years old, they injected them with genetic upgrades, and they would also add things into their body, like adamantium. Wolverine. Yeah. Basically. Which is why, because in the games it shows them like jumping from a spaceship all the way down onto a planet and landing on their own feet. It's like, impossible! I call movie fake. <laughs> but then there's like, their bones are coated with ceramic or something, and they're like, oh, it totally makes sense now. It does, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally plausible. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Ceramic Armor Research. Very similar to the Kurt Russell movie that came out back in the 90s. Ceramic Armor Research. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where they took all the kids and they raised them in a military camp where they could beat each other to death in the middle of class. And nobody would flinch. Yeah. They were all taken from orphans. Did he have like a scar on his face? Yeah, he was all like they tattooed the number of battles they were in on their cheeks. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Not a very good movie, but pretty decent story. And then in the Halo story, on top of that, there's another section of their military that created the Mjolnir armor, which is the Spartans are famous for doing. But that wasn't really meant for them, although the original program lost their funding or something, or something went wrong. So they're like, okay, screw it. Let's take these guys that we've mentally abused for years, <laughs> put them in here, and voila. And then they, so they put them in there, and then you have your super soldiers. And then Halo was born. Did you see the teaser trailer? I've seen a lot of them. No, the newest teaser trailer for... Halo uh, Video. I guess it was... It's been, a, on me, that's it's been out for a month or a couple months. It was from E3. Halo Unlimited. They're producing another oh, game. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. It was just a teaser yeah. trailer, but it looked like an open world... Yeah. Yeah. Good. Said so Just the teaser looked kind of neat. I said, I haven't heard much about it since. Yeah, yeah. Hello Infinity and now Hello Ultimate. I've never owned a console in my life, but in 2002, maybe. One? Yeah, 2001, that's when Hello. 2001, Halo. I was walking through Future Shop and they had it playing, and I'm like, <laughs> and I go back and I'm like, what's this? And the guy says, this is the most popular game out right now. And I'm like, I'm buying it. And right there on the spot, I bought Xbox, the original. Never owned one in my life. 
I've had a Commodore 64 because my parents thought it was stimulating, but uh, they'd never buy me games for it. I had to make my own. Oh, you had to program it. Yeah. Back when you had to program everything yourself. And I did, yeah. You could buy games, but uh, mostly I made all my own games. But they would never let me have, like, my friends all had Nintendo, and Super Nintendo, and I'd go to their house to play, and they'd just sit there yeah. on their gaming thing the whole time and never let me play. And, like, yeah. this sucks. <laughs> I had multiple controllers and always had multiplayer games. So Battletoads and stuff like that, where yeah. you go two players at once. Yeah. Well, they're making another Battletoads. Get better. So we went from us to Halo to everything in between. People ask me all the time, what is the secret to success? And I always tell them what the short version is, you got to have a 22-inch biceps. <laughs> and you got to be able to kill predators with your bare hands. And of course, you got to have this charming Austrian accent. This is a, that's a given. And the long version is that I actually always had five rules. You don't need to be a bodybuilding champion. You don't need to want to be an action hero or anything like that. If you want to excel in whatever you do, those rules are for you. So my first rule is find your vision and follow it. If you don't have a goal, if you don't have a vision, you just drift around. You're not going to be happy. I grew up after the Second World War. Austria, right along with Germany, lost the Second World War. There was, of course, depression. There was a terrible economic situation. I wanted to get out of there. I wanted to escape. And luckily, one day in school, I watched a documentary about America. I knew exactly that is where I wanted to end up. The question was just, how do I get there? How do I get to America? No one had the money to travel or anything. But one day, I was fortunate enough to see a bodybuilding magazine. And on the cover was this very muscular guy. Mr. Universe becomes Hercules star. His name was Reg Park. I read the article as fast as I could learning about how he grew up in Leeds in England, poor, and how he trained five hours a day, every single day, and trained and trained and trained, and then he finally became Mr. Great Britain, and then became Mr. Universe, and then he won a second Mr. Universe title, and a third Mr. Universe title, and then all of a sudden he landed in Rome in Chinichita, doing Hercules movies. And as I read, I became more and more certain. I had that vision very clearly laid out, to be a champion on that same stage where he won the Mr. Universe, and then to move to America, then get into movies. From that moment on, everything that I did, no matter how hard I had to work or how much I had to struggle, it didn't matter because I knew what the purpose was and I found my passion. Always discover your vision and the rest will follow. Now my second, my second rule is never ever think small. You have to go and shoot for the stars. I didn't just think about being in movies. No, I wanted to be a movie star. I wanted to have above the title billing. I wanted to become the highest paid entertainer. I basically wanted to be another John Wayne. What's wrong with that? Never think small, think big. A third rule is ignore the naysayers. I think it is natural that when you have a big vision and big dreams and you have big goals that people are gonna say around you, I don't think it can be done. I think it's impossible. I mean, it started right away when I was 15 years old and I became a bodybuilder. Right after that happened, I said, I want to be a world champion in bodybuilding. I want to be Mr. Universe. They immediately said, are you crazy? Bodybuilding is an American sport. Forget about it. It's nuts. And then when I wanted to go into show business, after I won 13 world championship titles in bodybuilding, I said, I want to be like Reg Park. 
I want to be a Hercules. I want to get into movies. Well, I tell you, when I met those agents and managers, their reaction was, <laughs> Oh, Arnold, that is so funny. <laughs> you want to be what? A leading man? Oh, come on. I mean, look, uh, uh, first of all, let's start with your body. You're gigantic. You're like a monster. And then your accent, oh, it gives me the chills just listening to your German bullshit. Come on now. Have you ever seen an international movie star with a German accent? It doesn't happen. Forget about that. And then your name, what is it, Schwarzen Schnitzel or something like that? People are going to storm the theater and the movie houses because Schwarzen Schnitzel is starring in a movie. Oh, yeah, I can see that already. Imagine that. Everywhere I turned, they said, no, it won't happen, it's not going to happen, and forget about it. Luckily, I did not listen. I started taking acting classes, English classes, even accent removal classes. I ran around all day saying lines like, a fine wine grows on a vine. All of a sudden, I got a little break. All of a sudden, I got a TV show, a little part then another little part, and then pumping on and stay hungry, and then of course I landed the big role of Conan the Barbarian. So finally I got the big, big break. And you know what was so interesting about it was the director said at the press conference, if we wouldn't have had Schwarzenegger with those muscles, we would have had to build one. And then when I did Terminator, James Cameron said, the Albi backline became one of the most famous movie lines in history because of Arnold's crazy accent because he sounded like a machine. So as you see, everything that the naysayers said was a liability became an asset. Ignore the naysayers. The fourth rule is work your ass off. You never want to fail because you didn't work hard enough. It doesn't matter in what area you're in. No pain, no gain. Listen, when I came to the United States, I remember that I trained five hours a day, every day, and I was managing a construction business and I was a bricklayer. And I went to college also. And I took acting classes from 8 o'clock at night to 12 o'clock midnight. Every day I did that. Work your butt off. That's what I always believe. No matter what you do, work, work, work. And my fifth and last rule is don't just take. Give something back. Tear down that mirror that makes you always look at yourself. And you will be able to look beyond that mirror. And you will see the millions and millions of people that need your help. And this is why I tried to take every opportunity that I could to give something back. I started training Special Olympians. I started after-school programs for the most vulnerable children, for inner-city children, to make them be able to say no to drugs, no to gangs, and no to violence. We all can create change, whether it is in our neighborhood or in our local schools, because the bottom line is, it is up to us. Have a vision. Think big. Ignore the naysayers. Work your ass off and give back and change the world. Because if not us, who? If not now, when? I heard this somewhere else, and it got me thinking. <coughs> Does anyone here not know what a prepper is? We've kind of talked about this a little bit. I, I eat peppers all the time. Peppers? <laughs> Black peppers? Oh. 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 Oh.
Jalapeno peppers. You like Mexican peppers? It's a jalapeno on a stick. So. You're talking about doomsday peppers? Yeah. Any kind of peppers. I say that. So, do ninja have to be preppers? Do they go hand in hand? Well, what is the correlation between prepping and ninjutsu? Survival. Survival, for Preparation. sure. Preparation. Preparation. What kind of preparation? For anything. Any kind of scenario that involves danger to you, your family, or your neighbor. Danger, Will Robinson. So are ninjas preppers and are preppers ninjas? Yes to the first one. And yes, ninjas, ninjas are preppers, but preppers aren't necessarily ninjas. Like the old, uh, the old saying that the ninjas are samurai, but samurai are not necessarily ninjas. Ninjas. By the way, the Nin plural of ninja is ninja. Just so Nimpo. <laughs> you don't put S's on pluralized Japanese words. That's beside the point. So yes, if the point of ninjutsu is survival, but not always against man. It could be against catastrophes and natural disasters and all kinds of things. Economic, serious, like uh, maybe a re recession, like the old recession. So it could be stocking food. It could be maybe uh, off-grid type electricity, if you want electricity. It doesn't have to be. Growing your own food, learning how to hunt and skin food yourself. Store food, or maybe storing meat without refrigeration units. What else? What do we do to prep? Water. Water, Water is a big one. What was the, uh, what was the calculation? These, they say the average person requires how much water per day? Ten. No, 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 I think it was five. Or eight. I think an adult was five. No, a kid was five, an adult was three liters a day. And you have 264 liters. I have 200 and something stored, yeah. And it's sterile, and it has no expiration date. You can store water yourself and sterilize the containers, but you can only do that so much, and there could be an expiration date. Um, and if it's plastic, it should be food-grade plastic and not rain barrels, you know, things like that. Um, what else? We're, we're talking about what, what to prep or what to, what to store, but... Uh, learning how to smith your own weapons. Yes, that's a good one. That kind of stuff. Especially reusable weapons. You're going to use them. Yeah. And you can be really good with a gun, but eventually you're going to run out of bullets. Absolutely. Mm. Unless you know how to make black powder, how to make your own casings, that kind of <laughs> build yeah, your own bullets. But even then, it's still... It's time-consuming. <coughs> it is. Making it, especially if you don't have electricity. Yeah, trying to forge a shell casing. Well, you save the shell casing. It's just the leg. Yeah, yeah. you can reuse shell casings. I guess easy enough. Um, it's still time consuming. And the black powder that we made at home is not smokeless black powder, which is like the more modern. So if you use this in bullets, it would there would be like a big block. When, it, when we fired it. Or if you watch those old Civil War reenactments mm -hmm. with the muskets, that's black powder. Because every time they fire, you're like, Pow! more smoke than actual damage yeah. coming out of it. Yeah, so, smokeless black powder, I'm not absolutely sure how to make it, but it's not much different. I have it 
written down at home. I just haven't really looked at it yet. But anyway, yeah, so making weapons is slow. Making ammo, I mean, is slow. But arrows. Arrows. Well, I'd be thinking more like spears, swords, something you... Because an arrow, you can still shoot it and break it. A spear, you you won't likely break if you throw it. That's right. Uh, it's, like, as far as reusable goes, it's almost impossible to destroy the spear. And if you Unless, break a shaft, it's just a matter of moving it onto a new shaft. Yeah, well, and, and what are the odds of breaking a shaft from a spear as opposed to an arrow? Yeah. Yeah. If you're going that far, then trap making. Oh, trap making, definitely. Make like pitfall traps, that kind of stuff that have sharp uh, sticks, yeah. spears, whatever. Because actually we talked about the Vietnam, Vietnam earlier. In Vietnam, they were using pitfall, the kind of pitfall traps where they had spikes at the bottom. Bungee sticks. Yeah. And they even had some that were, um, think how this works. Spike trap? There was a thing on the bottom, or partway in the trap, so that when they landed in the middle, it would squeeze together. So the spikes were on the side, so it would come up and grab you. So it's kind of like an Iron Maiden almost? Yeah, something like that, and it would grab you. And they were, the Americans were really pissed off about that. Especially since the bungee sticks and just the pitfall was usually laced with yeah. some kind of poison. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they'd smear like feces on it and stuff too. And, and um, now I know that the Geneva Convention banned it, but I'm not sure if that was before that or after. Uh, eventually they did ban it, but that's a whole other story. That about is, yeah, we don't have time like for that right now. rules <laughs> on war that nobody follows. No one really follows. That's like right. that's they also outlawed the triple-bladed daggers, triple-sided oh. daggers, because they were harder to sew up. But that's why they have yeah. trench coats. Because anyway, that's a whole other. And barbed when you pull them back out. Reverse plates. Uh, but anyways, one thing about prepping to keep you and your family alive is one thing. But then if people know about it and they try to come for it, now you have to protect it. So it's not just about learning to fight to protect mm. against people or catastrophes. Now you have to protect your loot or your property. Because the prepper's all fine and dandy, but do they know hand-to-hand combat? Do they Probably know not. martial most arts? Most of them rely on firearms. Yeah, yeah, Which, that's a big one. If you watch, you're a member of some prepper groups, aren't you? Yeah, me too. They're always talking about how much of a certain ammo they cash. And well, some of them, it's uh, ammunition as uh, money. Yeah. So yeah. During a doomsday event, ammunition would actually be money. your means of buying things. Yeah, just like in the olden days. Yeah. But they also said there's a difference between the... Was it, one guy said there's a difference when to be the gray man and when to be the tactical badass and it's like well be the gray man nobody's going to bother you so you have to become the tactical I know two guys and where they live that used to brag one of them is that arms dealer he's he stockpiles stuff cut but no one knows where he lives <laughs> you do except for maybe like us but I mean outside of us uh, and the other guy lived, used to live right beside before he moved. And he said that he has underground storage and bunkers there and food up to yin-yang and ammunition. And so if there was an, a, an event, people didn't know. But he bragged. He liked it. That's a bad idea. That's a very yeah. bad idea. <laughs> On those prepper groups and people say, where are you located? How much of this are you stockpiling? Where do you stockpile it? And they all talk about it because it's fun but they're kind of missing the point. If you're stockpiling things for fun, that's one thing. It's a hobby. 
But if you're doing it for actual survival, you should never tell people where or what you've got. Like, no. It's like giving away your bank account number. Yeah. Or when people ask you what your favorite or... martial arts movie is, you should never tell them. Yeah. Because then they'll learn how to circumvent that one move. So if you go to use it, you're screwed. I know what your favorite movie is. No, you don't. <laughs> Do you? Perhaps. When you're a kid. I yeah. Think. When I was a kid, I said Yeah, it. I think so. You said you watched it all, but... You said as a kid it was your favorite one, so maybe not uh, now. But maybe. Uh, I don't know. Revenge of the Ninja. Yeah, that's a movie. <laughs> not necessarily a move. technique. Oh, a move. I thought you oh. said movie. Movie. Ah. Move. <laughs> move. Oh, 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 oh. Who cares what my favorite movie is? <laughs> I was wondering, too. I was like, who's the like Somebody you. needs to improve their hair. <laughs> <laughs> don't ever tell anyone what your favorite movie well, is. Well, that's why I was, I don't know, did you not see the dumb look on my face? Like, uh, uh, it was always uh, Well, you're like talking about movies, and I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> anyway. Makes more sense now. Yes. Anyway, so to wrap it up, there are a lot of people that practice ninjutsu in the world and they have never even thought of approaching prepu. It's never occurred to them. Only because, well, that's the difference between some instructors that they stick to the taijutsu only. The, the unarmed combat, they never touch anything else. So they never get to that. Whereas if you're studying true ninjutsu, you study the full scope of survival. Every possible angle, you're going to you're going to have to deal with it eventually. So, survival. And the end is coming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that concludes another podcast. If you have any interest in getting to know more about us or you just want to check us out and see what we're all about, you can check us out at DivineWireNinjutsu.com and then that can be your jumping off point and there's all kinds of links and stuff there for everything else. Until next time, have a great day.